today, we've been in this series called We Believe. And uh, just outlining, we've taken the, this ancient document of the church called the Apostles' Creed and gone through each of the belief statements in that document. And one of them is we believe, real simply, we believe in the Holy Spirit. We believe in the Holy Spirit. And so we're going to talk about what that means as a believer to actually put weight and belief into the Holy Spirit. I think for me, this is fitting. I'm in a time in my life where I need to, I think God wants me to focus on the Holy Spirit as much as I can, <laughs> you know, just to trust Him, trust His movement. And, uh, and so I've been in a place of learning. And uh, one of the main verses that God has uh, put on my heart through this whole process is found in Psalm 127.1. And it says this, it says, unless the Lord builds the house, those labor in vain, those who build it labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. God has got to be in his church and God has got to be at work in our lives. What I've seen is that there's no substitute for the Holy Spirit in the life of a believer or in the life of a church. There's no substitute. Uh, we can, like Eve said, I love that story of Mary and Martha. We can work hard. Uh, we can do all the things. But if God isn't, it, isn't in it, the house won't stand. And so uh, as I've been in this journey of, of planning this church and growing community, there's been times where I've just had to put up my hands and say, God, your will be done. I can't control what happens. I have to trust you. And what God is doing is, is I've realized that he's the one who's building his church. He's building it here in Ferndale. He's the one who's building it in Mexico. He's the one who's building it in Whatcom County. And he's the one who's building it in Blaine. And we need to get on the same page as his spirit, with his spirit. And that, I love this, this uh, Francis Chan quote. If you want to read any book on the Holy Spirit and just feel convicted in every turn, uh, read Forgotten God by Francis Chan. Um, he says this. He says, The church becomes irrelevant when it pure, becomes purely a human creation. We are not all we are made to be when everything in our lives and churches can be explained apart from the work and presence of the Spirit of God. Do you believe that this morning? That we could work harder than anyone, but if, if we're not trusting in the Spirit of God, if the Spirit of God isn't present among us, then we're missing the point, right? Um, what gives us life um, and what attracts people to God is not what we can do or our effort. It's the actual presence of God in the community. And so when we, we talk about church, we talk about our lives, we need to ask, where is God supernaturally at work in my life? You know, where's the power of God evident in my life? Where's the power of God evident in our churches? Unless the Lord builds the house those who build it labor in vain. You know, we don't want to be irrelevant. We want to seek the Spirit of God. And I think if you're like me, the, my, my struggle is I, I go between. I go between and trusting the Spirit and then wanting to take everything in my life on my shoulders. You know, anybody feel that tension? Like when you, when you get stressed out, when you have a bad day at work, man, there's this temptation to be like, man, I can power through this. I can figure it out. And so often I forget, man, I just need to, to go to the presence of God. I just need to give this to God. And, and instead, we carry that weight 
on ourselves. And um, we try to muster up enough strength to get through the difficult situations in our lives. And so the first thing I want to share today um, is this. It's that the Holy Spirit is the gift of the presence of God at work in our lives. The, the Holy Spirit is a gift that, that God has given us, and it's God in us at work, present in our lives. Why would we ignore that gift? Why would we ignore that gift? Um, A.W. Tozer says that God's presence is the central fact of Christianity. You see, God's always been at work pursuing relationship with his people. He, he created us, and, and when we were connected to God, we lived in a relationship with him. And when we, when we sinned and we cut ourselves off from God, the whole story of the Bible is God trying to reconnect with us, God trying to pursue us. Because what's true is, and we might not always feel this way, God always God wants to be with us. God wants to be near us. And so God's always been in pursuit of us. One way I think about the presence of God and, and God wanting to be with us is, um, anybody has anyone ever watched those YouTube videos of the soldiers coming home? Like soldiers coming home and they surprise their kids and at school or at, at football games. And it's just like, you know, the 30-minute the hug, you know. I, I always cry at those, okay? I'm just going to admit. Um, if you want a good cry, watch those videos. Um, but it's, it's, it's like that. God wants to be reunited to us in a real way. And there's nothing, um, nothing that can, can replace his presence. Just like in the life of these kids, there's nothing that can replace the presence of a parent who's, who's away. So um, one of the things I, I think about when you th- uh, with the presence of God is uh, sometimes I feel jealousy towards the disciples. Like they literally got to hang out with Jesus all the time. Anybody wish they could have like spent three years kind of hanging out with Jesus? Yeah, right? Like just kind of three years hanging out. You get, a, you get to know all the quirks about Jesus, you know? You hear, hear the message, but then you get to know him as a person. You get to ask him questions. Uh, you get to see how he eats. Is he a sloppy eater, clean eater? Uh, you know, you get to know all the little quirks uh, about Jesus. You get to learn the literal voice of Jesus. You know, this God in the flesh, this presence of God. What, a, what an amazing experience that must have been. So it's no surprise in, in the book of John when Jesus is getting ready to leave, uh, when he's getting ready to, to die on a cross, and he's preparing to leave his disciples, uh, that they're kind of freaking out that they're worried, that they're, uh, they're kind of messed up about it. Um, because here is this God in the flesh, this person th- that they've watched um, heal the sick and heal the blind and, and uh, feed the 5,000 and all of these amazing miracles, amazing work, amazing teaching, God in the flesh, and, and his presence is about to leave. His presence is about to leave. These guys have left everything to follow him. And now they felt like they were going to lose everything. Um, but this is what Jesus says in John sixteen seven. Jesus tells his worried disciples this. He says, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world 
concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. I will send the helper to you. See, the first thing about the Holy Spirit is that he's our constant present helper. I think it's amazing that Jesus said, it's better if I go, because then you can have the Holy Spirit with you. Um, The word helper in Greek is this word parakletos, and what it literally means, it means to be to called to one aid, called to one side, called called to help. And um, what that means is that the Holy Spirit actually helps not just we're not just around God. We are, God is actually inside of us. He's like an internal compass that's pointing us away from death and towards life. Um, he's, he's the one who's guiding us through life. He's always present. It's not, you know, Jesus went away for a few days to pray. He's always present. He's always with us. He's our helper. And uh, I, just, I just find that amazing. But you might be sitting here today, and you might not f- feel that with God. Um, you might be at a point where your relationship with with God, it feels a little mundane. It feels like I don't feel the, the presence of God in my life. I don't know if God is near me. And, um, you know, sometimes our relationship with God can feel ordinary. Um, you know, I had a friend in college. When I went to college... I went with one of my friends from high school. We were like little support buddies. We like linked arms, and we, uh, we went to college together. We were roommates. Um, but my freshman year of college is really where God grabbed a hold of my heart and where God put me in this amazing community where I started to come alive uh, spiritually, where before I had experienced this kind of drab, ordinary uh, walk with God. And... Um, I talked to my friend because he didn't have that same experience. I felt like he was sort of pulling away from God. So one, one day, we're, we're in our, our room, and I just asked him, you know, uh, how are you doing with God? Well, where are you at with God in this whole experience? And he said, you know what? I, I don't know. I mean, it's just, I think God and me just have an understanding. I mean, I think we just have an understanding. And I was like, well, what do you mean? And he's like, I, I'm good with God, and he's good with me. And as I dove in, I found there, there was sort of bitterness that he had in his heart that he was sort of holding against God. And so his approach was almost like, we're just going to live and let live. And it was just a few years later that he walked away from God completely. But I think we get into a danger if we find ourselves sort of plateauing in our faith. If, if our faith just becomes ordinary, if we don't live with any sort of expectation, but we kind of get into a routine uh, where, we, where we replace uh, an active relationship with God for religious tasks. Where if it's, I'll just go to church on Sunday, and then I'll critique the sermon. Oh, no, I'm kidding. Uh, and then I'll, uh, you know, I'll pray at meals. We can get in these ruts where, where it's just religious activity, but we're not actually expecting God to do anything. We're not expecting God to show up in our lives. And we, it's, over time, we close off to God. And sometimes that control, those parameters that we set, they actually close us off to the presence of God in our lives. And we settle for these, these mundane kind of routine lives instead of really pressing in and, and seeking the Spirit of God. 
And so you might be in that boat where you, you're not feeling that presence of God right in you or with you like Jesus promised. And so today I want to figure out how can we break free of that. If that's been the experience, and if that's the experience in the church, or if that's experience in our lives and we all go through these dry seasons, how can we break free of that? And what difference does the Holy Spirit make in our lives? And the first... Uh, uh, the first scripture, or second scripture, I guess, uh, that I want to look at today is Romans 8. Uh, Romans eight eleven through 17. Uh, Romans 8 is about the Holy Spirit, and I just wanted to take sort of the last portion of it. Um, Paul says this. He says, If the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his Spirit who lives in you. Um, therefore, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation, but it is not to the flesh to live according to it. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if you live by the Spirit, you will put to death the misdeeds of the body. You will live. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you received brought you brought about your adoption to sonship, and by him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now if we are God's children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in his sufferings, in order that we may also share in his glory. So there's a lot here, but I think there's two things that I see Uh, in this passage. There's kind of two big ideas. And the first is that the Holy Spirit gives us new life. It shows us a way away from death, away from sin, and towards new life. And the second thing is um, is that it secures us as a son or a daughter of God. It's the Holy Spirit that confirms in our hearts that we're God's. It's the Holy Spirit that confirms in our hearts that we're sons and daughters of God. Not, not slaves, not subject to fear, but that we can approach God like a son or a daughter and bring security. So first I want to focus on that life, that the Spirit gives us new life. It says the Spirit gives us new life in our mortal bodies, and it says if the Spirit lives in you, then you have that life. And I think so often... You know, we, um, we look for ways out. You know, we, we get trapped in, in sin. We get trapped in our fear. And, and uh, we search for that life. And even, even if you've been a Christian, you can feel those cycles of, like, you know, pursuing God for a while and experiencing that life and then kind of getting stuck in a rut and, and needing, uh, n- needing someone to help. And I think... Too often, when we're faced with our sin, when we're faced with our fear, um, instead of seeking the freedom that comes from the Spirit of God, we try to muster up enough strength to change ourselves. Uh, we try to create that change in our lives. We, we try, to, try to go all in on ourselves uh, and, and change it ourselves. And we say stuff like, I got this, I can handle this, um, but it doesn't work. It doesn't work. The Holy Spirit is the one who brings life so that we can rise above what we're dealing with. 
an image could be if you were trying to make a balloon float. You know, there's, and you had one guy f- just blow into a balloon with air and try to make it float. And, and it's just not working, right? You have to do this thing to try to keep it up. You know, you have to hit it around. It's like that game. If you ever, you know, I've got three kids. That game at home where you're like just trying to run around the house and dive and keep the balloon up. Like, it's kind of exhausting. I, I don't really like that game at home. I don't really like that game. Um, but yeah, you know, we work so hard to kind of keep change alive in our lives, to kind of create life for ourselves when ultimately you know that balloon's going to fall to the, the floor. It's just, it's bound to happen. But then if you fill that balloon with helium, right? Helium, it's lighter than air. Helium is, is designed for the, to rise. And so when you fill that with helium, it just rises above. You don't really have to do much. You don't have to keep trying to whack it up to keep it up off the ground. It just kind of rises and it's, it, it, it's there, right? That's sort, of, that's a, sort of an example of what the Holy Spirit does in our hearts. When we pursue God, when we go all in with God, the, the power that the Holy Spirit gives in our lives to change us, it's supernatural. It's supernatural. It helps us to rise above um, those things that would hold us down into life. And so the Holy Spirit is what gives us life. And it's also what connects us to our loving Father. It's also what secures us to God. Um, now, I know that um, when we talk about God as Father, some of us have a hard time. Uh, some of us have been wounded by our Father. Some of us have been through hardship because of our Father. Um, but what I think is interesting, you know, it says that through the Spirit, the Spirit is who allows us to say, Abba, Father. Abba is really the word for, like, Papa. It's like the the first word a, a kid says is Papa. And I, for the record, um, all three of my kids said dad first. Just want to say that. Bonnie, just, no, I'm just kidding. But Bonnie, she, no, okay, sorry. Um, I'll just stop there. It's easier to say, that's why. Um, but um, that, those words, Papa, you know, like there's something super endearing, super close uh, about that word. But I think it's interesting that God says we were adopted as sons and daughters of God, that we were adopted into God's family. Um, I have friends who have adopted um, kids. I have friends who've adopted older kids. And one of the most, um, I don't know, beautiful and endearing things that I've seen is when um, when an older kid gets adopted, when my friends uh, adopted his, his kid, at, at first, he just called him by his first name. He just called... Uh, my friend by his first name. But over time, as my friend learned to trust and uh, re- love and, um, and grow in relationship with my friend, he started to call him dad. He learned how to call him dad. And I think for us, too, it's, it's like that picture. Like, for my friend, that love was already there for that kid. That love was already there for that kid. But it took a while for, f- for his son to return that love. You know, it took a while for his son to learn, yes, you are, uh, you, you know, you do love me. I can trust you. And um, in the same way, uh, we learn how to go to God as Papa. We learn how to rest 
in God. And it says that the Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children, that we are God's. It's the Spirit that confirms that in our heart. There's no argument or there's, no, there's not enough you can learn um, to confirm that. It's the Spirit of God in you. And there's a security there. There's a security there that's forever. And maybe, maybe that's what you need to hear this morning. Maybe you're in a place where you long for that security with God. Maybe you're in a place where you've had a rough week and you're just searching um, for, uh, for some comfort. And God wants you to know that he loves you and that he's your father. And, uh, and so I just think that's, that's a great place to be. That's the first Kind of the, one of the first things the Spirit does is just confirm in our hearts our relationship with God. So the Holy Spirit secures us in that relationship with God, and then He also equips us for the mission of God. Um, I've spent a lot of time in the last uh, last month or so reading through the Book of Acts and just how the Holy Spirit had a huge impact. Oh. I'll, Huge, yeah, huge impact on the world through his church in the beginning of Acts. It just kind of exploded on the scene. Um, the power of God was evident among uh, uh, among all of God's people. This word, the the word for the Spirit in Greek is this word pneuma, and what it means is wind or breath. And I just imagine that um, that idea with the Spirit that sometimes the Spirit of God is like that gentle breeze. But sometimes the Spirit of God speaks to us like that nor'easter that comes and like rips our fence down and all that stuff. I know I used to live in Ferndale. I know some serious winds happen around here. Um, but in Acts, I think the Spirit of God came like a Category 5 hurricane. Like it just, the power of God just blew through his people. And um, all, this, all of this amazing stuff was happening where people were um, learning or just all of a sudden new, new languages and were, were preaching in different languages and, and were um, just healing the sick and God was just on the move. Um, thousands of people were coming to faith uh, at that time. And so when we submit to God's Spirit, what we see is that he sends us as these vessels of his power. He sends us with power, um, but then he also guides us into this life of adventure. You know, our life is not meant to be lived on a plateau. You know, we're not supposed to live in cruise control. You know, God wants to set us on an adventure. You know, I think we, we love adventure. You know, we watch, like, adventure movies, right? If if uh, if movies were boring, we wouldn't watch them. But we love like watching Indiana Jones and James Bond. Um, we love the thrill of the danger, the rolling boulder about is he going to escape? You know, we see these guys take all these risks and they always pay off. You know, they never um, James Bond never uh, ducks too late to get under the overpass while his train's going under, and he's always you know it always works out. But are we actually open to the adventure of God in our lives? Are we open to the move of God's Spirit in our lives? You know, I'm fascinated by a guy named Philip in Acts. Um, Philip was a guy who uh, wasn't an apostle. He didn't 
spend time with Jesus in the flesh, um, but he was asked by the apostles to wait tables. He was asked by the apostles to wait tables, to help the poor, and so that's what he did. And then it says that there was this, after the, the stoning of Stephen, um, there was this great persecution that broke out in the church, and the whole church just fled. And they fled to all these different cities, and, and Philip went to Samaria. And God just started working through him in Samaria. He was casting out demons. He was healing the sick. Uh, people were coming to get baptized and accepting Jesus. And even this kind of like magician, sorcerer guy came to faith in Jesus because he saw the power of God through Philip. But I just want to kind of look at how the Spirit spoke to Philip because I think it's really amazing. And I think it kind of illustrates this life of adventure that, that we have. So after all of that stuff happened in Samaria, this is what happens uh, to Philip. It says, Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Go south to the road, the desert road, that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. And so he started out, and on his way he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of the treasury of um, the Kandake, which means queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship, and on his way home he was sitting in his chariot reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. And the Spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. You see how specific the Spirit calls Philip. Like it's just like, okay, Philip, go here. And Philip listens and obeys. Okay, Philip, go here. And he, he listens and obeys. He is, he is synced in with, with the Spirit. He is listening to the Spirit. And when he does this, the Ethiopian man invites him into his chariot, and Philip shares the good news, and this man gets saved. And then look what it says next. It says, as he's baptizing this man, it says, When they came out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away, and the eunuch did not see him again, but went on his way rejoicing. Philip, however, appeared at Azotus and traveled about, preaching the gospel in all the towns until he reached Caesarea. What I find crazy about this is this is almost like teleportation or something, you know? I mean, I did, all of a sudden, Philip is like in with this guy and he's uh, baptizing him and he's, you know, just the Spirit told him to do it, so he's doing it. And then after that, it's like, zoop! And he's like in this other place where God's called him to be. I mean, that's, that's a life of adventure, you know, that's a, that's a life of adventure, man. If, if teleportation is part of the deal, that's pretty cool. But the Spirit of God just moves so powerfully. He can do anything. And uh, so when Philip submits, he's on this amazing, unpredictable journey with God. And he's, he's actively used as a vessel of God's power. The Spirit tells Philip what to do, and he does it. I mean, is there anything like mundane about this? Is there anything ordinary about this? No, power, he's got power, adventure, uh, travel for sure, <laughs> um, purpose. You know, what's amazing about the, this too is Philip, because of his obedience, he starts the churches in Samaria and then Ethiopia. Uh, the effect of this is still going on today. Like I, I looked it up and do you know that 63% of Ethiopians identify as Christian. I mean, it started from this moment where God moved through Philip to share the gospel with this Ethiopian man and it started the church in that country. 
You know, when we are open to the Spirit of God, we are transformed for God's mission so that He can transform others. But the question is, are we open to it? I mean, we may not have an experience like Philip where we're bouncing all around the country, but are we open to the Spirit of God using us in everyday life? If we were open-handed with our job, if we were open-handed uh, with our schedule, if we were open-handed, uh, how could God use us? You know, I wish I was as quick to obey as Philip. You know, Philip just, you know, he heard the, the Spirit of the Lord speak to him, and he did it. I mean, I wish I could listen as well as Philip, that he, he spent time listening to the Lord and was sure of, of what he was doing. But I think there's a couple things, I know for me, and I think for us, that, that make it difficult to hear the voice of the Lord and to hear the voice of the Spirit. And one of those things is that we're too distracted to notice. We're too distracted to notice the voice of the Lord speaking to us. We have, in, in our culture, think about how much time people spend on screens every day. You go to work and you sit in front of a computer screen. You go, uh, you're always connected. I have a screen in my pocket. You know, we have all, um, all of the, like Netflix and, and the internet and all this stuff that kind of distracts and eats up time that we could be spending with the Lord. Um, yeah. Yeah, we're too distracted. And then just the stress of life. We've, we're we're ba- trying to balance houses and bills and family and, and illness, and we just, you know, all of that caves in. And when we take all that on ourselves, we forget to prioritize time with the Lord. We forget to even make time for the Lord. It kind of shuffs um, it out, kind of pushes it out. But what would it look like if you did? What would it look like if you eliminated, maybe instead of the first thing in the morning, uh, grabbing your phone, what if you grabbed your Bible first thing in the morning? What if you preserved, like, time to just spend with the Lord and listen to the Lord and just be open and not closed and not try to set your relationship with the Lord on, on your parameters or when you have time, but really make that a priority and say, God, this, this time is yours. I think he would would change you with that. I think you would would uh, fill your life. So I think one part of it is distraction. The other part is co- comfort. We're too comfortable to act. You know, God had to strip comfort from Philip's life to move him to where he wanted him to be. Philip didn't do any of this stuff before there was a great persecution, before people were getting killed for the faith. Then Philip's like, you know, open and sent somewhere else. And because he's away from his home and the distractions are gone, um, he's not in a comfortable place. And he has to depend on the Lord. You know, but us, especially in our culture, man, we we have every opportunity to be comfortable. We have every opportunity to be comfortable in our culture, to to really create a, a bubble for ourselves. We can you kind of try to insulate ourselves uh, from pain. And the Holy Spirit is going to, he might be nudging us to take a risk. He might be nudging us to do something that, that seems uncomfortable. And um, he works through our risk when we're willing to surrender our comfort to live to something new. I mean, think of the cost if Philip 
didn't say yes to God. There are thousands of people who wouldn't, heard, who wouldn't have heard about the gospel. Um, there are cities and countries that wouldn't have been transformed. But because Philip is open to the voice of the Spirit, God's transformation comes. There have been times in my life where I've been too comfortable to say yes to God. There are times in my life where I've said, not now. And those are times that I've had to repent and ask God's forgiveness and ask God, please, God, open, open my heart to your move. You build the house. Almost two years ago, I was here at CTK Ferndale, and uh, I was in a place where I was looking to pastor somewhere. I was in a place where I felt called to pastor, um, but I, I, I didn't know where to go. And I certainly didn't want to plant a church. I, I knew I didn't want to plant a church. It seemed too risky. Uh, it seemed too hard. Um, I had heard that like one in ten church plants work out. And so I'm process- as I'm processing all this, one day at CTK Ferndale, Derek Archer shows up. And uh, those who know Derek are laughing. But Derek Archer shows up, and he, he's got a couple guys with him, and he's introducing me to these guys. And as he's introducing me to these guys, he says, yeah, um, this is Tyler. This is what he's doing now. Um, but someday, if he wants to plant a church, uh, he'll, he, he, we can talk. And it was just like, well, that's a nice hint, Derek. That's a great, great hint. And so, but the truth is, God spoke to me there. And so I called him up, and a couple of weeks later, we're sitting in a coffee shop talking about the vision of CTK to be a healthy sending movement to reach out into, into places that are unreached, to reach people who aren't being reached with the gospel. And something clicked for me. I felt a peace about church planning that I hadn't felt before. I felt like God was calling me to this work. And so that's when we decided to move to Blaine. It's been great. So friends, I want to I encourage you today uh, to listen to the Spirit of God, to 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 ask him, God, what do you have for me? What is, what is your will for me, God? And it might start small. It might start with small changes. Um, but the story that God's going to write in your life is going to be way more amazing than anything that you could write for yourself. Uh, you have to be flexible with your plans. But if you are, God is going to work through you, not just to change your life, but other lives, and potentially for generations. And so... Uh, I want to encourage you to walk by the Spirit, to be encouraged today to spend time with God. Uh, Francis Chan says this, and I want to close with this. The worship team can come on up. He says this. He says, The truth is that the Spirit of the living God is guaranteed to ask you to go somewhere or do something that you wouldn't normally want or choose to do. The Spirit will lead you to the way of the cross as he led Jesus to the cross. And that is definitely not a safe or pretty or comfortable place to be. The Holy Spirit of God will mold you into the person that you were made to be. Guys, I firmly believe that if we submit to the Spirit, He's going to transform us on the inside out and use us in places that we never imagined being used um, for the mission that He wants us to be on. Let's pray. God, I'm just so thankful to be here. God, I'm thankful that... You've called us here as your children. God, I'm thankful that you love us like a father. And even when we don't know if you can, we can trust you, 
the Spirit of God confirms in our hearts, Lord, that you're our Father. God, I'm thankful that you, you uh, send us on your mission, that you fill our lives with purpose when we seek you. And Lord, we might be in a place where we're discouraged. God, we're, we're in a place where we might feel down or, or distant from you. And Lord, I pray for everyone in that place that they would feel the Spirit of God this morning. Lord, that in their lives this week, that, that you would show up, God. Lord, we want to live supernatural lives. God, we want to live lives that, that, where there's no explanation for what's going on outside of your Spirit living and active, God. So we invite you to be present in our lives. We invite you to move. Um, God, we invite you to change us this morning. Change our hearts. Change our lives. Change our attitude. God, change it all, Father. So, Lord, I pray, God, that you would help us to be willing to take steps of faith. pray that you would help us to be willing to risk where we need to risk. I pray that you would help us to uh, listen when we need to listen. God, I'm so thankful for the work of your Spirit. Lord, I pray for Ferndale. Lord, I praise you, God, for all the things that you did through this Mexico team, God, that all the ways that they experienced the Holy Spirit at work this week, Jesus. We just praise you with them. Lord, we pray that, that for this church and for this community, God, that the Holy Spirit would be evident, Lord, and that would draw people in, God, that there would be radical transformation which can only come through your power, not of ourselves, God, but of you. So we, we pray that this morning, God. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen.